Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I might ask that you stand with me as we get ready for the word. Amen. How many of you, the enemy, been fighting you all week long? Amen. Praise God. Well, that's exactly what he's supposed to do. Amen. There was a time that his name was Lucifer, but God changed his name to Satan, which means adversary, or the one that is set to oppose everything you do. Amen. And I just thank God, you know, and as I get ready for the word, amen, I just want to share something with you from my heart. You know, as you are pursuing God and things in life, anything in life, I'm going to tell you one thing that will block you, that will cause you not to achieve the things you want to achieve. And it's just sometimes being slowful. Uh, that's the biblical term, but the real term, what we know, is lazy. How many of you know a lazy person won't accomplish anything great in life? Whenever you want to accomplish anything that you're trying to progress and you're trying to move forward, the Bible uses a term that says, he that is diligent shall stand before kings. But that word diligent means the person that just stays on top of everything, the person that manages their life well, the person that knows they have to be somewhere, they prepare to be there. If they know they got to be somewhere for eight, they get there early. And you don't get there at eight, getting ready the day of you get there at eight by getting ready the day before see and a lot of times we miss our successes in life because we don't prepare for the opportunities because God creates opportunities all around and if you're not preparing and positioning yourself to capitalize when the doors open you're going to look at people that are capitalizing they're making connections they're moving forward in life and sometimes it's our own laziness and one of the worst traits about a person that's lazy, let me tell you something. Lazy people don't accomplish much in life, and then they develop hate or envy for those that accomplish things. This is how the world is designed. If you're not the kind of person that's going to put forth the effort to be great and to be where you need to be when you need to be there, and then there are other people that come behind you and they capitalize, they seize the moment. But they seize the opportunity and then continue to move forward. You will look up in three years, five years, ten years, and you will still be in the same spot. And the person that, that opens a business and they go to courses to learn more in their business. They meet people. They ask God for connections. They take potpourri classes. And they do all the things they need to do to make the connections that they need to make. And they grind it out and they grind it out and they grind it out. And one day it's going to break for them. But the person that's lazy, the scripture said, the lazy man says there's a lion in the street. The lazy man says it's cold outside. Where the diligent man go get the clothing to get to handle itself in the cold. The lazy man saying, I'm not going today because it's raining. Whereas the diligent man go prepares himself to function in the rain. You can't be in this, the lazy person, in other words, what the Bible is saying is that the lazy person always finds excuses for why they can't do the things they want to do. But the diligent person is going to find a way. And if God see you always trying to find a way, always trying to plug and push and push, the Bible said through faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. So don't let that spirit be a part of your life. Amen. Even when it comes to worshiping God, some people can be lazy in their worship. 
And if you lazy in your worship, then that means you don't really understand how much God has done for you. Amen. When the ark returned into the camp, David wasn't worrying about who was praising God and who was looking. David knew that God had done something great for him. And he just went into his little zone and he began to give God all of his praise and all of his worship. Amen. So many times in life, you got to get past what the crowd is doing. And you, got, you can't worry about what everybody else is doing. You got to worry about what God is doing in your life and lock in on it. And follow God until he bring the past what you're believing for. Amen. Because somebody say, I'm not going to be lazy. Somebody say, I'm not going to make excuses. Somebody say, I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And the scripture says this also. It says, let us not be weary. Let us not be weary. Because sometimes when you're pursuing something. And it seems like it's going to take a while for it to come to pass. And when you're toiling and it doesn't seem like you're getting the results you're after, sometimes you can get weary. But the scripture says, don't get weary in well-doing. Because he said, in due season. How many of you know in due season? Somebody say in due season. What the Bible say? You shall reap if you faint not. Somebody say don't pass out. Somebody say, don't give up. Somebody say, God going to come through for you. Hallelujah. So as we get ready to pray this morning, I kind of like the atmosphere that's in there because I can feel the devil been fighting. I like that. Because the devil don't fight when he already got you defeated. <laughs> See, you, you got to understand what, what's going on in the spirit world. See, when you come to church and you burden and you weigh down and you heavy, that's good. That's good because that means the devil knows that there's something on the inside of you and he's trying to keep that thing from materializing. If you trace the history of the Bible, when Moses was born, the king wanted to kill the babies. When Jesus was born, they wanted to kill the babies. At the birth of every great thing, the devil stands there in opposition trying to destroy before it comes to maturity. So just the fact that I can feel him fighting Man, that means I should rejoice and be exceedingly glad. See, when you start knowing your Bible and you start sensing the attack of the enemy, that means something great is getting ready to be born or he wouldn't be fighting. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're going to get ready for the word. I'm going to ask that you pray with me. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for this beautiful spirit. God, there's such a beautiful spirit in this place. God, I thank you for it. God, I thank you for every believer. God, I thank you for every person that gathered. God, I thank you for all of those, oh God, that are pressing into your kingdom. God, I know, God, that sometimes, God, this is not the easiest thing to do. God, but those that are made up in their mind that they want to go all the way with you, I pray that you strengthen them right now. God, and those that may be feeling a little discouraged, a little down, a little wounded. God, I pray, God, that you would touch their spirit right now. God, and lift the heavy burden from their mind, God. God, cause them to cast their burden on the Lord. For even this week, God, when I got burdened, God. God, and I went before you in prayer. Oh, God, I can feel you taking that thing and moving it away. 
For oh God, even your precious son, Jesus Christ, felt burdened in the garden. That father, when he died in the garden, God, the scripture says that he went three times in prayer. The father in the Bible says that his soul was exceedingly sorrowful and troubled even unto the death. God, and that burden that was sitting upon him, God, it caused him to travail. God, he travailed so much even to the point that you sent an angel to strengthen him. God, and the angel strengthened him. God, and even the strength of the angel, God, didn't cause him to break through. For God, even after the touch of the angel, God, he had to go into the garden again. God, and when he went into the garden again, that last time, God, God, because of that heavy burden, God, eventually that weight broke off of him, oh God. God, and he became ready to face what he had to face, oh God. God, teach your people, oh God, that sometimes it's going to take, God, more than one prayer. God, sometimes it's going to take more than two prayers. God, sometimes it's going to take even more than the touch of the angel, God. God, but in our spirit, God, we have to be diligent and God be willing to press through, God, until we achieve what we need to achieve. Give us the right heart, the right spirit, the right mind. God, a mind, God, to press to enter in. God, for we know, God, that God, through much tribulation, we got to enter into the kingdom of God. And Father, I pray, God, that every spirit that will come to hinder your word, God, we bind it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, allow the word of God to have free course. Hallelujah, Lord God. Set a fire down in our soul, God. Hallelujah. Let me ask you to lift your hands with me as we get ready for the word. Let us lift our hands. Hallelujah. And call upon him as a family. Come on. Do I have anybody that's willing to call on the Lord with me right now? Hallelujah. Come on. Let us lift up, cast our burdens on the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let us pray. Let us pray. Let us cast our burdens on the Lord. Hallelujah, God. We cast our burden on you right now, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, in his sin, God, forgive them right now, God. God, as they're striving to get their lives perfected, oh, God. God, have mercy upon them right now, God. God, move for them right now, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, church, let us call upon him right now. Oh, mighty God, we bless you right now, God. Come on, all over the building, call upon him, call upon him. We call you right now, Lord God. We call you right now, Lord God. We call you right now, Lord God. Because we need you, God. God, we call you right now, God. Come on, church, let us call us. Let him call us. Let us call him. Hallelujah, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, the more you call him, the better you feel. Come on, come on, come on. Something about that name. Come on, church, don't let the devil rob you anymore. Press through. Thank you, God. We need you, Lord. We need you, God. We need you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. 
Come on, I can feel it in the air. Come on, we pushing through. Come on, let us push. Let us push. Thank you, Father. Come on, come on, come on. Let us push through this thing. Thank you, God. We bind every hindering spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Yes, God. Got every stronghold pulled down, God. Andori de la basori de la basie, ma corra basie. Andorra basori de la bacorra bosande, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, come on, saints. Come on, come on. We getting ready for the word. Come on, come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Come on, come on. That's it. Come on. It's releasing. Thank you, Father God. Yes, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, proud warriors. God is getting ready to send this word. Come on, one more minute. One more minute. Come on. Let us call him. Let us call him. Let us call him. Ramanama so rabako ribiandebosa. Ramamama korabasanderebosie. Yes, 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 yes. You are welcome, Holy Spirit. 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 Thank you, God. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Father. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. As we get ready for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to finish up. Amen. What I started last week, amen. Sometimes, amen, you don't get to get to everything, but that's okay. Because many times, amen, when the Spirit of God comes into the house and you feel like he's done what he came to do, amen, you just move forward. Amen. But sometimes, amen, during the course of the week, you revisit and when you're thinking back, there's some things that you wish you could have shared Amen. So let's go back to the, the gospel of Mark chapter 9. And what I want to, what I want to, what I want to key in on, what I want to hone in on, 
Amen. In that passage, remember Jesus talked about, amen, a deaf and dumb spirit. Amen. And as I've been trying to think upon that passage and just look at it a little more, amen, God just been trying to give me a little more insight into why Satan has sent that spirit. How many of you know the kingdom of darkness, when, when, when Lucifer left heaven, how many of you know the Bible says that a third of the angels followed him? His tail drew a third of the angels. Now think about that for a moment. The scripture says that there's an innumerable amount of angels. Okay? So when God created the angels, when God made the angels, there were more angels than you could count. Okay? And a third of that number, when he was in heaven and he was going throughout heaven and he was spreading his agenda, what started that was in his heart he felt like his throne to ascend above God's throne. So he just painted them a picture that if you follow me, I can give you more than what God has to offer you. Amen. So that was his agenda that I'm greater than God. And if you follow me, what I present to you is more than what God could ever do for you. How many of you know that's why the Bible says he's the father of lies? Because that was the first lie. Number one, you cannot ascend greater than God. So his own imagination, that's why you got to be careful with what goes on in your mind. Because his own imagination tricked him, and for some reason, he thought that his throne could ascend above God's. But the intriguing thing about that I always thought was, you have to be something. For you to have, for you to be able to look at God and then look at yourself and then have the audacity that what you are can ascend above God. So when I thought about that, I said, even though God kicked him out, there had to be something about him that made him feel like he can move past God's throne. You don't, you don't. Try to ascend past somebody great if you don't think that there's something great about yourself. That's the point I'm trying to make. Okay? So once he assessed himself, and the Bible talked about the intellect that he had, the jewelry that clothed him, all of these things. When he looked at it and he summarized himself, he said, Well, man, I, I am absolutely phenomenal. And then he began to spread that throughout heaven and to a third of the angels, that thought clicked. Well, what he began to do, and when you read in your scriptures, you'll see names like Beelzebub. You'll see Lucifer. You'll see things like when you do extensive study on the kingdom of darkness, the names like Azazel. You will hear sometimes they made him, and Jesus passed out of devil. He say, what's your name? He say, my name is Legion, for we are many. Then there was times that Jesus said, uh, he cast out one spirit, and he called it a deaf and dumb spirit. But then another time, he used terms unclean spirit. Then another time, he would see foul spirit. So, and then they accused Jesus of this. And I'm really laying something here because I told you I'm missing things last week. They accused Jesus of this. But they said, you have the ability to cast out devils because you have a devil. And then he began to educate him. He said, no kingdom. First thing he did was acknowledge that Lucifer came to the earth and set up a kingdom. 
He said, no kingdom divided against itself can stand. So to let you know that the kingdom of darkness is a highly sophisticated, well-oiled machine. They're more united than some families. They're more united than some churches, than some Christians. The kingdom of darkness always moves after the same purpose they never devised. Because even Satan is smart enough to know that if we could start pushing separate agendas, this kingdom that I came into the earth to build, it'll fall apart. Okay? So, one of the things that he has released, one of his spirits that he has released is called the deaf and dumb spirit. Now, I started on that spirit, but then when you look into what that spirit comes into the earth to do, the word deaf means you can't hear. The spiritual meaning of the word hear is understand. Jesus said it like this. When somebody hears the word of the kingdom and understand it not, then the wicked one comes and he takes it away. So the first thing that spirit does, it attacks your comprehension. Because if you don't understand something, you can stay in bondage. That's why they call ignorance darkness. And they call knowledge light. Because darkness just simply means whenever there's a, whenever there's a dark thing around, the Bible says the wicked walk in darkness and stumble and they don't know what they're stumbling at. So whenever you allow the kingdom of darkness... It means that Satan wants you to tap into dark things so that he can destroy you and you're not even privy to what he's doing. That's why Paul said we're not ignorant concerning the devices of the devil. Okay, so y'all follow me. Then dumb means this, not able to speak, okay? Now, I found this little story on Twitter before I go back into the message. I want to... I want to read this to you. Y'all going to follow me as I read this? Okay. Because remember, he don't want you to understand. And one job of a teacher, when you're teaching, if the people listening to you don't understand, then what's the point of you teaching? Okay? So I want y'all to listen to this and listen. Follow me close. Y'all know sometimes when I, sometimes I get in, it get, might get a little boring to you. But the higher you go in knowledge, the more boring it gets. But the more you learn, the more you earn. Y'all never forget that. See, Satan don't want you reading. He don't want you studying. No kind of knowledge. Because the higher you, the more you learn. This is how it works. The more you earn. And the more you, as you're learning what you're doing, that's why he don't want you to go back to school. Because one of the key ingredients to poverty is ignorance. And don't be offended at the word ignorance. Ignorance just means you don't know something. Okay? So the more you learn, the more you will earn in your life. Okay? And listen, sometimes you have to go back to learning with more baggage. Some people, they go make a little mishap, get a kid on something premature, and then they use that as an excuse not to continue their learning. 
But you remember what I said, that if your mind is to push forward, God will surround you with the people to help you on your journey. So just because it has become more difficult and more challenging, that does not mean God is accepting you settling for less than what he designed. All right. Somebody said, I won't be lazy. So right now, it's like you in school. You're in, you're in like college. Amen. And the good thing about college, let me tell you what I learned when I got there. See, college is a little different than all your other grades. Because when you're young, your parents can make you go to school. But in college, they don't care if you come to school or not. In college, they don't care. They don't care if you say, well, I don't feel like going today. Once that money hit that account, <laughs> y'all better learn. <laughs> Nobody's going to be calling you. Why you didn't go to class? Dude, you 21. That class just cost $500. And guess what? The less you equip yourself with knowledge, the more you're setting yourself up to earn less than everybody else. It's just basic. That's the way it works. And college is not the only route. So if that's not for you, find another way. Because the more you equip yourself with skills, then you become more marketable and more valuable in the workplace. The workplace is just a market. And a market is, why am I on this? Golly. That ain't in my notes. Bless the Lord. At least we'll get to that. But a market is simply a place where buyers meet sellers. So what you are, and it's supply and demand. So what you are, you are a supply. What you have to supply, you put it in a market. You are trying to sell what you can supply to the marketplace. But the more you enhance your skill set about reading books, going to seminars, meeting people, getting mentors, then the more valuable you become in the workplace. And then when you go to sell yourself, then they have what's called a resume. A resume means this is what I can do. And then they have pay scales to determine the, the skill you have costs $20 an hour. Can I buy you for that? Sure. No, the skill set you have is worth minimum wage. Why? Because you didn't enhance yourself. But the more you learn and the more you enhance yourself, every time you complete a course, you just got a raise. What you mean? Nobody paid me yet. You became more valuable. You got to make yourself valuable. And then once you know your value, you don't let nobody buy you for less than what you were. All right. So don't, then Jesus used this, which will a man give in exchange for a soul? Here you are, God's child, the most valuable thing in the world, and sometimes we exchange that for morsels of meat and bowls of beans. Somebody say, don't devalue yourself. And in order for you to increase your worth in the marketplace or in the kingdom of God, it takes you putting away things that's stopping you from increasing your value. 
And as you, you kind of reallocate how you spend in your time, if you want to increase your value. If you're the kind of person that wastes a lot of time on frivolous things, you don't increase your value. But the person that you call the nerd, the more time they spend pouring into themselves, when they come out and they're complete, the world going to say, oh, yeah, I'm paying for you. There are companies right now, the king, even the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is looking for valuable apostles and prophets and evangelists. But how can Jesus bring you to that when you don't take time to increase your value to him? You got to study God's word to become a laborer in the kingdom and never let this mindset right here deceive you. If I become valuable, somebody holding me back. Wrong. You increase your value and God will kick the door open for you. He said, I open doors that no man can shut. So all you got to do is keep increasing your value. And when God see your value go up, he's going to bring you before great men. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. <laughs> Never say somebody holding me back and you serve God. For no man is strong enough to hold back what God is trying to do. Nobody has that kind of power and influence to hold back what God has planted in somebody to do. But you have to know that. Because a lot of times when you take your eyes off of God and look at people, you would think people can hold you back. They don't have that power. I sure don't have that power. Praise God. So let me read this to you, and I pray that you catch this, please. There might be a little. All right. So I'm going to read this first. It says, Satan has strategically released this spirit into the earth realm to destroy communication. Okay. Deaf means you can't hear or comprehend. Dumb means you can't speak or relay what you understand to the other party. And that builds healthy relationships between man and God and human to human. So in other words, communication means you're exchanging thoughts and ideas. And if you are not exchanging thoughts and ideas, then your relationships will never be healthy. For instance, a dumb and deaf spirit may not possess you, but if something wrong with you and your spouse say what's wrong, and you say, I don't want to talk. That's who just influenced you. You cannot make progress. A deaf and dumb spirit don't have to be in your body. It could just be in your house. How can you have a healthy relationship if somebody say, what's wrong with you? And you shut down. You got to discuss things. You got to put it even. And a lot of times, the more difficult the conversation is, the quieter we want to be. The more difficult the conversation is, that means that's the higher the stakes are. And the higher the stakes are, the greater the reward is going to be. The higher the risk, the greater the reward. Y'all better learn these business principles. That's just the way the world works. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm in a... <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm in the house. Somebody say, we're going to talk about it. Right. Effective communication takes faith and work. Okay? Communication 
is how we tap into one another's gifts and talents. What is that saying? You tap into what somebody else has to offer by communicating with them. Communicating is not talking. It goes beyond that. Communicating is expressing your thought clearly, letting the other person comprehend it, then responding back effectively. That's called communication. Commune comes from commune or joining or becoming one, meaning we become one by communing with one another. All right. Y'all thought that deaf and dumb spirit was just getting people, huh? No, God put the devil has sent that spirit to keep people from progressing. Okay? Communicating with Christ is how we exchange with him as well. In other words, you got to call on the Lord to be saved. You can't even get to Jesus without opening your mouth. A lot of times we come to church and we won't even release our praise when the scripture tells you and he inhabits the praise of his people. He don't inhabit you coming in down and sad, but when you start calling upon him, he starts to come and dwell inside of your communication. That's why the devil fights you all week to come to church down and not praise God. See, this, this service was set up by God. It was tying right on in. You came in dragging, but that was perfect because God wanted you to learn that you have to get defiant in the face of the enemy. When you come in the house of God, you're going to enter in his gates with praise and thanksgiving, and you're going to say, I don't care what I did last night. The Bible say everything that has breath has the right to praise God. I'm not going to let you keep my praise in my belly no more. Every time I come in these gates, I'm releasing the praise. And then God inhabits it. The devil wants you to be coming in and tell you, you know what you did yesterday. How you have the nerve to praise him. Then you got to hit him with that song, watch me praise. <laughs> got to tell the devil, watch me praise him. Hallelujah. Okay. Now let me read you this brief little short story. This lady, her name is Rachel Romero. And I stumbled on it the other day on Twitter. And it was after I preached last Sunday, but it just leaped out at me as I read through it. And I've read over and over. I read it like several times because now let me give you a tip when you read. When you reading, sometimes you've got to read the same thing more than once. Because the way the human mind is, you've got to get familiar with it. You've got to read it. There's things you're going to miss. Because sometimes you've got to go back over it and read it again. Amen? That's why you can't be lazy. They used to have a saying, if you want to hide something from somebody, put it in a book. All right. Look at this. Okay, this is what Rachel said. I just had an affirming experience. On my eight-hour flight back from a conference, I sat next to a father and a son. In broken English, the father began to apologize and warn me that his 10-year-old son had a severe case of nonverbal autism. 
and that the flight would be very difficult, okay? I told him, don't worry, I'm a speech-language pathologist with lots of experience with minimally verbal kids. So she was saying, I have a lot of experience with kids that don't talk a lot. The challenging, so the behaviors got real challenging before the plane took off. The kids started screaming, the kids started hitting her, and the kids started grabbing at her things. The father repeatedly apologized, but that's all he could do. So I asked the father, how does your son prefer to communicate? He didn't seem to understand. Perhaps this was a language barrier. What she's saying is she was trying to figure out what was the barrier for her child communicate? I see a lot of y'all nodding, so y'all kind of familiar with some of this, right? That's what God is asking you. What's your language barrier? All right, we'll get to that. <laughs> the devil don't want people communicating. But listen to this. But I think that instead the child had very little experience with communication therapy. He says, I put away the talk I was working on and I asked the father if I could try to talk to him. He said, I tried to see if he was stimulable for a communication board. I started by pulling up some standard images for basic nouns on my computer, on my computer, but I could tell that screens really bothered him. So I summoned my awful drawing skills and I tried to create a very low tech board. See, when you really want to communicate, you can go to any means necessary to have a discussion. Okay? And it clicked. I made symbols for the things he was grabbing, for his favorite stuffed penguin, and things for his dad. He took it very quickly. I introduced way more symbols than I normally would, but hey, how often do you get an eight-hour session? By the end of the flight, he had several more requests and he initiated several times, and his behavior reduced quite a bit. As he began to communicate, he started behaving better. The father was astounded because clearly no one had ever tried an AAC approach with him. I gave him the paper, and I showed him how to use it, and he almost cried. This was a display of the basic human desire to communicate. Human beings are designed by God to communicate. It's sometimes things come up in our lives and they become language barriers, but somebody has to be willing to go through whatever steps necessary until they can communicate on the level that that person can communicate. You can't communicate with everybody the same way. If you've had four or five kids, you can't communicate with every child the same. Love makes you figure out how do I connect with you the way you are wired so we can effectively communicate. Ignorance says, well, since you don't want to listen to me, go in your room. And then at some point, they're going to be introduced to somebody that's going to communicate with them on a level that they can understand. Maybe it might be that cousin that introduces them to something because you'd rather yell at them than communicate with them. 
I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping it real. Sometimes you can yell and get your point across. When Isaiah was young, you would, you would be able to talk to Isaiah. He was the most humblest kid, and you could just raise your voice a little bit, and he gone. But not long ago, I had something I wanted to talk to him about, and when I went to talk to him, as parents, you go through transitions because you're always looking at it like that's your little child, but your children grow up. And he said, hold on, daddy, hold on. He said, hold on, hold on. He said, I'm a man now. He said, I don't have a problem discussing anything, but let's just be respectful to one another. And I pause. I'm like, that's not my little Isaiah no more. See, I could have said, but I'm still your daddy. Don't you help? No. Why would you keep your child in school? Why would you send them to college? And as their little minds are developing and maturing and they're starting to grow and think in more complex ways, you can't still deal with them like when they were still in school. You got to learn how to communicate with them according to the way their mind has matured. They don't always stay the little, the little boy that you can just. Because <laughs> now there was moments he ain't got in the weight room and he would come behind me. And I could feel it. And I'm like, okay, I see what's going on. And he's trying to let me know, daddy, I'm not a little boy no more. <laughs> I could feel his spirit. I said, okay, I know what's going on here. This is the natural progression of life. He want me to know. Okay, daddy, I'm, I'm here. Remember coming up playing ball. He would practice, 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 and always in his mind, one day he's not going to be able to beat me. I'm going to beat him. And one time he beat me, and now when he was coming up, I would always have it in my mind, you never going to beat me. But I got older, and he kept practicing. I see Brother Troy laughing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and when he got older and he beat me, I was like, okay, okay. People change. People develop, they mature. And you got to be intelligent enough to be able to go through these barriers and effectively communicate with one another as we evolve. Even Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So it is in God when you mature. We've got to communicate with one another different as we mature in the Lord. Oh, my God. I hope this is making sense. Hallelujah. So here's what happened. Let me get through this. Humans are designed to communicate. Humans are wired to connect with another person and share thoughts. Communication is a basic human right. And the lady said, I was overjoyed to help someone find it. Now, this communication barrier is just one way through a deaf and dumb spirit that Satan tries to hinder us through mountains, though mountains manifest in several different ways. Okay? So what that scripture is telling you, as we go to Mark chapter 9, this particular thing was the mountain that this individual dealt with. Okay? But you have to be able to access God to tap into faith 
to move whatever mountain manifest in your life. But now, here's why Jesus called it a foul spirit. And I want y'all to catch this. I want y'all to catch this. But that word foul means detestable. That means uh, offensive. It means like a bad odor. So with this, the reason why Jesus labeled it a foul spirit, because in God's eyes, it was detestable and offensive that a human being that he designed to communicate could not communicate. So it's offensive to God when we have things in our life that's there that's not supposed to be there. Oh, my God. I hope that made sense to somebody. I hope that made sense to somebody. Amen? So this is, this is one thing. And from this passage, what Jesus addressed, as I get to it, here's what he addressed. The thing that manifested in that passage was the foul spirit that was deaf and dumb. But the, the real point of the passage was that Jesus was addressing the unbelief of those involved. Okay? When he got to the end of the passage and he said, this kind doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting, what he was talking about is the level of faith you need to move this doesn't change unless you start praying and fasting. And it all connects because what he was saying is unbelief keeps mountains in your life. All right. All right. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. So, look what it says. The removal, I made a lot of notes on this one. I don't I guess that's what it was about. The removal of this level of opposition can only be resolved with the right level of faith. Can I say that one more time? <laughs> the removal of this level of opposition can only be resolved by the right level of faith. If your faith level doesn't match the level of the opposition, there's methods that you can resort to to increase your faith. But we must never settle for things that God's will is to remove them out of your life because we lack the level of faith needed to move it. In other words, what that is saying is you are not supposed to accept things that God don't want in your life just because your level of faith is not where it needs to be to move it. What you have to do is do what it takes to get your faith level up to remove the level of opposing you. How many times do we allow things to sit in our life instead of building up our faith to move what's in our life? And then we begin to make excuses for why these things are in our life. And that's detestable to God. Oh, my God. I hope y'all with me today. All right. Okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, and I want y'all to get in this scripture with me. And the reason God brought me back to this because there are some things that he's trying to get to you. But he can't get it to you because your faith is not where it needs to be. 
A lot of people, they want God to do miracles. They want God to do signs and wonders. They want God to do all kind of wonderful things. But in order for those things to happen, faith has to be at a certain level to get there. You can't be at level of no faith and expect God to move. Amen? Can you remember last week I was talking about being honest with ourselves about what level of faith we own? All right? Amen. So, as I was studying this passage, it's, it's, it's verse 23 to 29. What I did this week, I visited, it's two things I did. I pulled out the characters of the story, and then I tried to get in the story to capture the intensity of the story. Amen? So the character in the story was the man that wanted his son free, the little boy himself, the foul spirit, Jesus Christ, and all of the crowd that was paying attention. So you got to get into this and see there was a crowd of people all around. There was a demon spirit in this child. His father was there. The little boy was there. And then Jesus, the authority of the kingdom, was there. Okay? See? That's called studying the scriptures. And in order for you to get the meaning of the scripture, you got to get in that passage and really just get in there with your mind and jump in there. Because once you get it at that level of understanding, then you will learn how to put it in your situations. And if you can't put the word of God in your situations, you will always have mountains in your life that's not moving. Amen? feel like y'all in school today. Amen. Verse 23. So I gave y'all the characters, right? <laughs> Jesus opened up and he said it like this. Verse 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believe. And straightway, the father of the child did what? And he said with what? This is trying to capture the intensity. <laughs> A lot of times you can't get things move because you're just simply too bougie. Here you have a dumb and deaf spirit that's powerful inhabiting somebody and all they want to do, help me. Help me. Help me. Tears are designed to, when it's real, the reason tears come out of your eyes is because it's touching your spirit. And when you feel an emotion in your spirit, because your human body has tear ducts in it, and whenever your emotions get to a certain level, they trigger tears to come out of your eyes. So the father is standing there with tears coming out of his eyes, meaning his spirit was touched. He was humble, he was broken, he was desperate. And out of his desperation, the tears just begin to flow. And he began to cry. And look at what he began to say. He said, Lord, I believe. Hallelujah. 
Then you see a semicolon right there. He wanted so bad to see this thing change. But after the semicolon, look what he said. Help my unbelief. Hallelujah. That boy was praying. He said, Lord, I know you can do it. But help me, I just don't believe it all the way. But I know you can do it. You're not the problem, I'm the problem. Help me. He said, Lord, I don't doubt you. The problem not in you, it's me. I'm the reason that mountain's not moving. I see mountains moving for all kind of people. But it's not you that you can't move it. I just don't have enough faith for you to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. And in his true humility, he said, Lord, I believe. Anybody ever been like that? (laughs) Hallelujah, Lord. But you've seen him do it. You know he can do it, but you're still a little wobbly. (laughs) You're still not sure. (laughs) You know he can do it, but you just don't feel that 100% conviction that he's going to come through. And Jesus spoke to me as I was reading that the Holy Ghost say, this is the human experience. This is where a lot of people are. This is where people have to see themselves in this passage. That I know some of them know that I can do it, but they still need help with their faith. That man was honest. That man was honest. That man was honest. I know you can do it. But help my unbelief. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, Jesus. That man say, Lord, I believe. And he was standing there with crying. Lord, I wish I could get you in the passage with me. Hallelujah. Because I can see it. I can almost feel it. Can you imagine one of your children and you see a spirit just take your child and throw him in fire? You don't see a human, but you just see your child just jump in water. And you know your child no better than that. And sometimes he just take off and jump in the water. And his father said, what his father was saying is there is no earthly remedy for what's wrong with my child. We've read stories in the Bible. One poor lady, the Bible says that she, this, she emptied her whole savings account. And when her savings account got empty. The Bible says she went to doctor after doctor. She says she didn't get better. She said, but to the contrary, she only got worse. Because <laughs> when it comes to spiritual warfare, I don't care how many therapists you go to. I don't care how many counselors you go to. How many 10-step programs. You can't 10-step program a demon out of your life. <laughs> you can't show a demon across and expect him to go. Hallelujah. Paul said, don't let no man spoil you through philosophy. When something is spoiled, that means you throw it away. A lot of people are getting spoiled because they're going to human outlets to fix spiritual problems. All the word philosophy means is this is the way I think it should go. 
Paul said, stop going to human ways things should go and don't let any man spoil you after philosophy and not after Christ. He said, the only thing that can help you is going after Christ. Human beings haven't become smart enough to fix spiritual problems. How can you become smart enough to fix a spiritual problem that's only in the Holy Ghost? Paul taught us this church. He said we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Or oh, the devil don't like this message. I can feel it. <laughs> the devil told a lot of people, stay home today, you know, and they did it. You know why? Because they didn't have enough pressure in their spirit. But the devil already knew that I was coming to talk and tear his kingdom down. And, oh, don't go today. See? <laughs> don't go today. Rest. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. And then when you get up Monday, that mountain going to still be there because you didn't feel like it. Tuesday, you still going to have that mountain sitting there. It's like the Appalachian Mountains. Until you stop being lazy in the spirit, you're not going to move mountains. All you're going to do is sit around and say, I wish this could change. I wish that could change. No, you got to put your foot down and say, you know what? I'm going to do everything in my power. And faith without works is dead. Works shows your faith. The people blame everybody but their own effort. Hallelujah. That man was right there crying. And look what happened. He cried. Jesus told the deaf and dumb spirit to come out. The spirit cried. All kind of crying going on. Different types of crying though. The man was crying because he wanted help. The demon was crying because he had to get out of God's property. <laughs> the Bible says many times Jesus would be casting devils out and they would come out screaming. What they were saying is, this used to be my property, but I don't want to go. And they started screaming because what they were saying is, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But once Jesus has spoken the word, you can scream all you want to. You got to go. A lot of the problems that we deal with are demonic in nature, and we need to know that. Because <laughs> people still don't understand something. Do you remember that woman? She came to Jesus, and she was bowed over. She was hunched over. Y'all remember that? Jesus told the woman, you loose from your infirmity. Now, that could have been the end of it. But then the Pharisees started some chatter, which was good, because if they didn't start the chatter, we never could have got to the message that was really trying to come out. When they began to challenge Jesus, he said, shall not Abraham's daughter, he was given some legal rights, when you are Abraham's child, you legally have access to everything that God has said. He said, shall not Abraham's daughter, whom Satan has bound, meaning Satan had the spirit of infirmity on this woman that manifests its physical symptoms. The woman was walking like this, bound, hunched over, 
And Jesus didn't speak to the sickness. He spoke to the demon. And when he spoke to that demon, that woman stood up straight. See, a lot of you need some things loose that's been fighting you for a long time. See, Paul said this. He said the word, he said, I didn't come with enticing words of man's wisdom. He said, but I came with power. He said, the word has to come with power. Why is he saying the word has to come with power? Because demonic chains are not broken by me going to learn how to put the word of God together craftily. But they are broken by the anointing. And you can't go to school for the anointing. You got to get on your face to be anointed. You got to be before God to have power in your life. Paul saying, God sent me to demonstrate the Holy Ghost. Oh, my God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. <laughs> so now you see in verse 25, Jesus saw the people come running. So when I capture this, the daddy crying, the spirit crying, and people running all over. Y'all, that could have looked like pandemonium. You think a football game is intense. Imagine what this looked like. People running. All they see is crying and screaming. They're trying to figure, man, what's going on over there? And people want to come to church and be quiet and sedated. And then wonder why we can't see the things Jesus did. You can't tap into Christ, bougie. Well, that's too live at that church. I don't like that church. But the Bible said we are lively stones. We lively stones. Hallelujah. And he ran him sore and then he came out and he was as one dead in so much many said he dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to his house, his disciples asked him, now here's the meat of this message. This is what I didn't get to. Why could not we cast him out? This is where every disciple of Christ, you're going to have these moments in your life. You're going to have these moments where you say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Every disciple of Jesus Christ is going to have these moments where they try to get things to move and they're not moving. Do I have any witnesses or every time you try that it worked the first time? Okay, so all the hands up, good. So I'm talking to disciples. Okay, good. I just had to make sure I was talking to disciples. Any of the lost disciples in here? Let me see that again. A lot of disciples. All right, I'm in the right place. <laughs> and so privately see they came privately because it's okay some things you don't need to share with everybody sometimes it could be a little embarrassing you trying to get stuff done and it's not moving but privately go to the Lord and say Lord why this thing not moving look what Jesus said this kind this kind of what a lot of people say he was talking about the demon the question was why we couldn't cast them out the topic or the theme of the passage was unbelief. 
So now Jesus is getting ready to give you mechanisms to get your faith or unbelief out of you. He said the level of unbelief that you're walking in does not remove out of your life except you commit to a life of fasting and prayer. Now keep your hands down. Don't pick them up. When is the last time you fasted? Don't pick your hand up because that was done in private, this public. But I want you to think about that. When is the last time you honestly fasted before the Lord? Honestly. See, these are the things that Jesus is teaching that unlocks the levels of faith you need to get these mountains out of your life. And you know why people don't fast? What I opened up talking about. Lazy. See, if I'm going to be your pastor, I got to be honest with you. <laughs> Why y'all couldn't say that a little louder? Can I get an amen? Golly, if you raise your kids and every conversation is good and you never tell them things to make them better, the Bible said if you be without chastisement, you don't have a father. So God wants you to know. That you got to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? My fasting life is terrible. And because my fasting life is terrible, these mountains are not moving. There's no other way to move these mountains except you commit to fasting and prayer. Now, let me backtrack, okay? As I backtrack, what I don't want you to miss is this. Okay, y'all with me? Your level of faith has to be able to match the level of your opposition. If the level of your opposition supersedes the level of your faith, the mountain remains. But if your faith grows past the level of opposition, the mountain moves. Somebody say that's just the way it works. <laughs> so stop complaining about the mountains. And start fasting and praying. You're not fasting and praying necessarily for the mountain. You're fasting and praying for the level of faith needed to move the mountain. Because mountains don't move without the right faith. And in order for you to get your faith to increase, you have to fast and pray. And think about something. Think about something. I want you to think about something. Currency. Do you know what coins are? Coins. You know what currency is? Currency is when you exchange money for a product. Okay? So a coin, that's currency. Fasting, that's a coin. Praying, that's a coin. Studying scripture, that's a coin. Jesus said one lady had coins and she lost one. She could have been lazy and left the coin unfound. The scripture said when the lady realized that one of her coins was missing, she went into her house and she began to overturn every item in the house until she recovered her fasting life. The moral of that parable is don't stop until you get all your coins back. 
If you lost a coin, go get it. And when you get it back, call your sister. Say, I'm praying again. I know I haven't been on a prayer line, but I got my prayer coin back. What time is prayer? The Bible said the woman began to call all her neighbors and tell them the coin that I lost, I found it. Rejoice with me. Hallelujah. How many coins you lost? Anybody ever lost some coins? I've got my hand up because I lost some before. <laughs> I pray. It's a battle, man. You want your coins. The war is for your coins. See? That's what he's after. He don't want you fasting. Because when you start fasting, you start going into spiritual realms and spiritual levels. You get keener. You get sharper in the spirit. Your mind is concentrated. You start to understand the word clear. God starts to show you things about yourself. God starts to reveal things. He starts to give you discernment. Faith starts to come alive. See, and the only way you can get into fasting is has to be intentional. You got a purpose to fast because your flesh don't want to fast. Your flesh want to go to Don's. Your flesh want to go to Billy Ray Boudin. Your flesh want to go to Fizos every day. Your flesh want to Popeye's chicken sandwich when we call a fast on the first Friday of the month. That's what your flesh want. But in order for you to get what you need, you got to say, the church called a fast today. We're not going by Popeye's. And guess what's going to happen when we call a fast? Everybody at work going to say, we're going to get Popeye's chicken sandwich. It's not that complicated. The enemy is going to present food to you because he don't want you to get your coin back. Why every time I fast, somebody want to cook? Duh. Ain't no coincidence. That's by design. Why every time I, I want to go on a fast, my mother-in-law cooked them that lasagna. I threw that in because mother-in-law cooked some good lasagna. You see what I'm saying? How many of you going to fast with us Friday coming up? Little kids can fast, teenagers, y'all can fast. How many of y'all going to fast with us Friday? Y'all going to fast? Now y'all know how to fast, huh? Y'all know how Jesus fast? See, they got so many creative fasters nowadays. Man, the devil just so slick. They got some fasts they so slick that you might just skip breakfast. Or go from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Dude, I don't need to fast not to eat for 12 hours. The human body can go like how many days without eating? 40? I did some research on that a while back. I'm going to have to go grab that again. See, it takes three days. Now, see the Holy Ghost, boy. He, he's sharp. It takes three days for your body to break the hunger cycle. Now, the devil really don't like this. See, the hunger cycle just is something you train yourself to do. In the morning, it tells you, I'm hungry. You might not even be hungry, but you trained it to eat at certain times. 
And so what happens is, whenever you normally eat, you'll start feeling that craving. That's communication. He's talking to you. So some people, in their desire to stay eating, oh, we're going to go from 7 to 7. Not 7 a.m. to 7 a.m., 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. 12 hours? You mean to tell me you're about to move a 20-year mountain out of your life by not skipping two meals? You've been battling this mountain for 12 years and you're going to skip two meals and think it's going to move? Are you serious? Fasting is self-denial. And let me tell you a trick. See, a lot of times the trick going to come like this. Oh, I got a bad headache. Now, here's the knowledge. It's just toxins leaving. You ain't going to die. The devil lied. I caught a migraine. That's just poison leaving your body. It's okay. Man, I can't get an amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm trying to show you the things the devil do to keep the mountains in your life. He's been tricking you. <laughs> Somebody say, I want my coins back. All of them. Somebody said it's tight, but it's right. That means I'm preaching. <laughs> Praise the Lord. See? Because God don't want these mountains resting in your life. They are designed to be moved. And they're not going to be moved with you skipping a meal every now and then. Well, I hope y'all not mad at me today. Preacher said, ouch and amen. Bless the Lord. (laughs) Well, you don't understand my job. I want y'all to be honest. If y'all just be honest. Say it, Holy Ghost. Okay. They have what's called. See, the way the body is designed. Let me show you how the body is designed. This is how the body is designed. When you give it extra, it stores it. Okay. Okay. So, there's, like, I got stores. This extra that I've been working on, like, I ain't going to lie y'all. I've been trying to, I've been working on <laughs> I've been doing my best. It's stubborn, though, because, I mean, I get disciplined for a while. Do I have any witnesses? God, anybody ever tried to drop about 10 pounds, 15? I mean, some witnesses in here. <laughs> have you ever did, ate something and you know you should? You'd be like, man, why? Somebody said all the time. That's why we got to get control of these things. So what happens is this is the way the body works. If you push your body and you don't give it the food that it wants, guess what it starts to do? It just goes into storage. That's all it does. It just goes to the storage. It goes to the little extra that you got stored up, and it just starts melting that away. So fasting is good. Because what you got to know is you put storage. There's, you got, you, you're going to be okay. You got storage to hold you for a little while. Your body, you're not going to die if you skip 24 hours. 
And then that's what's going to happen. Once you start, there's a, once you break the hunger cycle, it's like your body gets to a place to where it just levels off and it gets a little smoother and you forget you haven't even ate in a while. But there's a cycle of hunger that you got to break. And once you break that cycle, then your body says, oh, I'm okay, I'm good. I'm going to just grab a little bit from right here. Just take a little bit from. And then what happens is once you get past the headache, once you get past the hunger cycle, how you think Jesus fasted for 40 days? Now, don't leave out and say the pastor said we're going 40 days. That's not what I said. I'm just trying to teach you something. Don't panic. Nobody panic. Nobody panic. <laughs> don't panic. Just say one day. <laughs> but once you break these hunger cycles and then you get past the headaches and then what happens is now you go into like an autopilot. Do I have anybody that's been there? Anybody ever been fasting before? Y'all know I got a church full of fasting people. And once you break that, then what happens is now you start to tap into your mind opens up. You get sharper. Your thoughts get clearer. You're not worried about earthly things. Then the Spirit of God can start opening up things, dealing with you, depositing things in you. Y'all sound like y'all miss that. Okay, all right then. Well, all right then. So how many fasting with us Friday? Well, I might want to make it go to Saturday too. I ain't going to kill y'all. Let's... We can't go from zero to five. Let's just, let's just commit to Friday. Let's get that done. Of complete, like all the way through. No spicy chicken. I don't care how many they come by. I don't care if they go online and say, Popeye's restart. No, I'm not today. I'm telling y'all right now. Y'all going to get fought on Friday. I'm telling y'all. I'm warning y'all. But think about what you're getting ready to unlock. The things going to start being moved because your faith is going to increase. We're not fasting for the mountains to move. We're fasting for the faith to move the mountains. Big difference. All right? And don't be afraid to come to prayer to cop the faith. He didn't say just fast. He said pray. See, I gotta, I'm glad God put our church in Lafayette and people come from the hour here. I would, I'm glad he did that. Because the queen of the south, she came all the way from through Africa to listen to Solomon. She traveled farther than Lake Charles to Lafayette. She traveled farther than Baton Rouge to Lafayette. See? She didn't let nothing stop her. And there's no reason if you're in the city. I'm trying to help you. See, you gotta, you got to make sacrifices if you want to tap into the things. Not just in the spirit, in life in general. You can't achieve things without sacrifice. Lord Jesus. So the first way, I'm going to go quick, three things that help your, fa- your faith increase. The number one, the scripture says, I'm going to read it to you. Turn that with me. I'm going to just give you these three things right quick. How to increase faith. 
Y'all get y'all pen. I want y'all to write this down because I don't want y'all not to get this. How many of you got things you're tired of being in your life that you need to move? So if I was you, I would write these things down. So number one, 1 Corinthians 12 and 9. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9. All right. If you have it, say amen. If you don't, say hold up. Y'all there? Okay. Now there's gifts in the spirit. Right here it says to another faith by the same spirit. How many of you know you can ask God for faith? And there's a gift of faith that God can deposit in your spirit. And you can start to have faith to believe God to move things out of your life. Somebody say there's a gift of faith. A lot of church people don't even know that. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go back to Mark 9 and 29. We don't have to go there. Method number one is the gift of faith. Method number two, prayer and fasting. Okay. That's method number two. Method number three. Romans 10 and 17. So method number one is the gift of faith. Method number two, prayer and fasting. Method number three, verse 17. So then faith comes by what? And hearing by what? What that is telling you is if you got people in your night life that's not speaking faith, you need to get away from them. A lot of times the mountains stay in your life because you got people in your life speaking and magnifying the mountains. Faith comes by hearing and not just hearing anything because he put a comma. But by hearing the word of God, meaning you need people in your life that's full of faith, that's speaking to you, that this thing can be moved. And I'm going to show you how that works. I'm going to just illustrate it. When the angel came to Abraham, and listen, this is why this last part is so good, and I'm going to just paraphrase it. When the angel came to Abraham, came to Abraham, the angel came to Abraham, when the angel came to Abraham, the angel told Abraham, he said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. Abraham was almost 100. So that's what Abraham did when he heard what God wanted to do. Anybody know what Abraham did? What he did? Yeah. When the angel told him he was going to have a child, what was his first reaction? What he did? He laughed. He laughed. But that was an indication of when God shows you something that he wants to do, your first reaction tells you what level you're on. So he laughed, meaning he didn't have faith. But after he started to believe it, the laughing went away. When the faith came alive, the laughing went away. So then, guess what? They brought the message to Sarah. And they say, Sarah, you, you're going to have a child. What did she do? Yeah. Now I'm about to show you the importance of having the right people in your life. <laughs> See? Abraham's faith was nothing. It grew into strong faith. 
Now you can't just get strong faith just for you. Everything attached to you. If you really care about your wife, your kids, your family, your grandchildren, you got to put faith in them too. You can't just come to church and leave your children at home. The devil don't mind you getting out of Egypt as long as you leave the children in Egypt. You got to speak faith in your house. So when he began to speak, the angel told Sarah, Sarah, you're going to have a child. Look what she said. Y'all know what she said. Me and Abraham don't even look at each other like that no more. I don't even know the last time he touched me. Matter of fact, not only do I not know the last time he touched me, I don't even know the last time I wanted him to touch me. Somebody say prove. She said, we, the desire is past. Okay. And she said, now we just reach friendship level. We just old. We just grew old together. This was my partner. We've been together a long time. And we okay, look. Man, we done grew. And that's the natural progression of the human body. See, they just reached the, and God did that on purpose. Because why would God go to young, vibrant, strong people and bring a message of faith to people that knew they can have children? But God wanted the message of faith to come to somebody that wasn't able to produce what he said so that he can let them know, you can't do that. I could do that. So how did Sarah get faith? Abraham had to start speaking the word of God in his house. Faith comes by hearing. So obviously, Abraham was walking around once his faith got strong. Sarah and God said he's going to give us a child. Then guess what happened? When the, the Bible says when Sarah grabbed the hold of faith, she started reversing and, and she started to look different. Abraham looked over at Who is that? The Bible said God had returned her back to her youth. And Abraham looked over there and he was like, Oh Lord, what's going on? Hey. Abraham said, Hey, how you doing, Sarah? He started getting nice and friendly. Don't be nice and friendly only when you're trying to get somewhere. Be kind all the time. Amen? And the Bible says, look at the principle though. The Bible said, as soon as faith came alive, it says, immediately there sprang up in Sarah the child that God spoke. What's the message? Springing is an immediate manifestation. So what is God trying to tell you? The manifestation happens as soon as the faith springs up. The Bible said, the, it said when it sprung up in Sarah, it says that the, every, what God had spoke, 
and materialized and all of the descendants of Abraham came alive because Sarah grabbed faith. Now, I want you to think about something. Who are you blocking from receiving things from God because of your lack of faith? I want you to think about that. Because think about it. Let's just say you have a sickness in your body. Okay? Think, I want you to think about this. And instead of you getting the faith to get this mountain out of your life, you, you allow that sickness to be in your life. And it impacts how you deal with your kids with their homework. It impacts how you deal with your kids going to their sporting events. Because you don't have the energy to go support them at the park. You don't have the energy. to. So by you allowing this thing to be in your life, there's many other people that's going to be impacted because you don't have the faith to move this out of your life. The only reason Satan opposes you is because he's trying to block you and those that you're connected to. Oh, my God. So I pray that this message bless somebody today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all stand up with me. Amen. I thank God. Amen. So I know I didn't do a lot of hooping and hollering today, but I really just wanted to. Amen. I wanted to teach that because a lot of times, man, people, hype can trick you. Hype can trick you. A good hype can make you think you're strong and you're not. Amen. The Bible say, let he that stand take heed lest he fall. Amen. A lot of times you'll come in and the praise service is good and everything is high and I come and prophecy going on and all of that. But it's the knowledge of the word of God that'll be with you on Monday when you start learning how to walk and execute the word of God. That's what's going to cause things to start shifting in your life. Amen. So don't settle for any mountain in your life. Get your faith up. Somebody say, get your faith up. And in order for you to get your faith up, you kind of, what was number one? What was number one? The gift of faith. Now I'm going to go ahead on and let y'all cheat. I'm going to help y'all cheat because y'all should have knew that. What was number one? What was number two? And what was number three? Faith come by hearing. Amen. So, amen. We want to seal this word today. Amen. I want to invite you to come up. And we're not going to have a long altar call. Because let me tell you why. Because this is why. The Bible said immediately when Sarah received faith, the Bible said immediately she received strength to conceive. Amen. So, amen. I want to ask for you to come up today. And if you don't get what you need at this altar, amen, today then you got to walk away knowing that it's a faith problem. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you need God to do anything for you today, amen, I don't want you to hesitate. Hallelujah. Whatever you believe in God for, amen, the altar of God is open. If you need to be filled, amen, with the Holy Ghost, if you need to, sometimes you just need to be strengthened. Amen. If you need to be strengthened on today, you need God to restore you. Praise God. <laughs>